And if you were here, you remember that we were, we were talking about, about uh, spiritual gifts and the fact that God wants to, to give us gifts to strengthen, to encourage, and to, uh, and to comfort people around and about us, as well as to comfort, encourage, and strengthen us as well. This afternoon, I had a, a, a truly wonderful experience. I was actually down in, in Corsan Bay. For those of you who are students who don't know the area, it's kind of on Cornwall side of, of, the, uh, of the River Tamar. I was down there with, with uh, uh, 20-odd um, young sailors, people who just joined the Royal Navy. Uh, and there was one guy in particular who, who joined the Royal Navy nine, nine weeks ago today. Um, no church background really whatsoever, but actually in those nine weeks... He's, he's met with Jesus in a really powerful way. And this afternoon, he was, he was keen to get baptized. And so we took him down to Corsand Beach, and it was freezing cold. We'd been praying for sunshine, and the sunshine came out after we'd done the baptism. It was absolutely pouring it down with rain as we baptized this guy. But it was a truly amazing, amazing time to think that actually God, this, this God that we've been singing about, this God who, who calls us into his family of love, actually reached out to this, this young man over these past nine weeks when he came to join the Royal Navy and had his own plans about what was going to happen. But God had something else in mind as well. And he's, he's now thinking of a, of a future in the Navy, but perhaps a very different future to the one he was thinking about just a few weeks ago. God can reach out to, to, to people in all sorts of different places. And that's encouraging for me, and I hope that's encouraging for you tonight that as you pray for people, maybe friends from, from, from uni and college or back home and, and, or wherever it may be, that, that God is working in their lives and God is drawing them to himself. God is drawing you to himself as well. And so tonight we're going to continue uh, looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit um, and particularly with the emphasis on the gift of tongues that we'll come to a little bit later on. So our, our reading for this evening comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We read some of this last week, but we're going to read the first 18 verses uh, now as we begin. Um, I can't tell you, it's page 1154 in the Pew Bibles. And once again, I'll say, if you've got a Bible, please look it up in the Bible. Don't rely on the screen in case we get a power cut. And it's always handy to know your way around God's Word. And we'll be jumping about to different places again this evening. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For those who speak in a tongue do not speak to other people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But those who prophesy speak to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort, those who speak in a tongue edify themselves, but those who prophesy edify the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Those who prophesy are greater than those who speak in tongues unless they interpret, so that the church may also be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will it be to you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. 
Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, those who speak in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but, if my, but, but, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God and the Spirit, how can the others who are now put in the same situation as an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you're saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but the others are not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So Paul is writing there to the church in, in, in Corinth, um, a church that was um, emphasizing the gift of tongues rather too much in, in the church. It wasn't like the gift of tongues didn't really exist there. They were, they were using it a bit too much and in wrong ways. And so Paul isn't saying don't use it. He's actually giving them some direction as to how they should use it wisely. And we'll come back to that in a few moments. But if we go back a few years back a few years to the time when Jesus was walking on the earth. Everything had been going so well for him. And if you imagine, imagine the, the evening of the Last Supper. So Jesus' last, last evening, as it were, really, before his crucifixion with his disciples, he was looking back and they were looking back. And, and, and life had been really sweet for them over the three years. The example of the young lad I shared just now about being baptized in the sea at Corsan, uh, Jesus was, was, was involved in seeing lots and lots and lots of people being healed and restored and set free from demons and, and brought into relationship with God. And it was just getting better and better and better as they went on. Yes, there was opposition. Things were not always easy. But even in Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, we read that he could not do any miracles there because the people lacked faith, says Mark in, in chapter, chapter 6. That's a, bit of, that's a bit sad, isn't it? But then Mark adds, except lay, lay his hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. It would be wonderful, wouldn't it, if the, actually there wasn't a huge amount of faith, but all we could do here was to lay our hands on a few people and a few people got healed. That would be absolutely amazing, wouldn't it, for that to happen tonight. There is, there is faith here tonight, I believe, and God wants to do these kind of things even here, even in this place this evening. But people were coming to experience God's love for them, as never before. And so it came as a real shock to Jesus' followers to hear that he was going to be crucified and then rise again and then leave them. Now, most of us here know the story, so there's not much of a shock in that because we hear it every single year at Easter if we don't hear it at any other time. But for his disciples, it was a complete shock. It was devastating. Can you imagine? These people had given up everything to follow Jesus and now he was about to leave them. They would be leaderless. What on earth was going to be happening to them? In John chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. 
But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. It is for your good that I'm going to leave you. What? That doesn't make any sense unless we realize what Jesus said next. He said, unless I go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. If I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. So Jesus is saying, actually, it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit with you than it is to have me with you. Are you hearing that? It's better for us to have the Holy Spirit with us than it is to have Jesus with us. What Jesus was saying to them is that his, his mission, his ministry of bringing the kingdom of God into this world was going to continue. It hadn't come to an end. That wasn't the end of it when Jesus went to the cross and died and rose again and then was taken to heaven. It would continue. But now it was no longer Jesus' ministry, but it was your ministry and it was my ministry. Jesus was going away so that the Holy Spirit could come and to equip those first disciples so the Holy Spirit could come and equip you and equip me for doing this, this work of mission, this work of ministry in this world. And after his death and resurrection, Luke records Jesus saying to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, do not leave Jerusalem. They'd all been waiting in Jerusalem, wondering what was going to happen next. But he said, wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Later on in verse 8 he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Jesus told them to wait, to wait in Jerusalem for that gift of the Holy Spirit to come. Yes, Jesus knew there were loads of people in Jerusalem who needed healing. He knew there were loads of people who, were, who were, was, were struggling through life and they just needed to hear the good news. But Jesus said, wait, wait, you need the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift that my Father's going to give and then go out and heal the sick and preach the good news to these people. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Nothing has changed in those 2,000 years except that the Holy Spirit came just a short time after these people were waiting at Pentecost. They're waiting in the sense they were, they were praying and you could say they were waiting quite passively, waiting for God to act in the moment. Our waiting is an active waiting. We can, we can actively yearn and seek for God to pour out his Holy Spirit upon us. We can ask him to do that. Because in, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus said, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, God is a good Father. He loves us better than any earthly father could ever love us. And he's got the really, really the best gifts that you could ever imagine. I know for students, it's getting near Christmas, and you'll be excited about the gifts you may get from home in just a few months' time. God has got the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is better than anything that you may get there. God wants to give good gifts to you. And it's the Holy Spirit who will empower you and equip you 
to live out the Christian life that he's called you to do. He's not an optional extra. If you try and live out the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, guess what? It will not work. That's what Jesus is really saying. We need the Holy Spirit if we are to live out the life that God has called us to. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to us, to empower us. We can't do it in our own strength. Last week we were looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit and we put into practice uh, the clear teaching of, of, um, of, of the end of this chapter here. And we were blessed, I hope you were blessed last week, that there were so many words that God spoke through different people here, here in, this, in this meeting. It wasn't just listening to the guys at the front, but actually God was speaking to all sorts of people and people were built up and encouraged and strengthened. And that's what God wants to do. God loves doing that. God loves to build, build us up, to strengthen us, and to encourage us. And he'll do that every time that we step out in faith and obedience and trust him. One gift that we touched on a little bit last week was the gift of tongues, and I mentioned that just earlier on. And so, so now we're going we're gonna to focus in a little bit more on that gift, not excluding the others, not saying it's more important than the others, but actually saying that it's different and that it's valuable to us. So there are four things that I want to say about, about the gift of tongues. First of all, it's a very normal expression of the Holy Spirit's presence. Some people here tonight may be a little bit wary of the Holy Spirit, thinking, I'm not really sure, or I don't really understand what the Holy Spirit is, is all about, and about this gift of tongues especially. It's all a bit strange to me. It's a normal expression of the Holy Spirit's presence. And if you read through the book of Acts in particular, you'll see lots of occasions where people were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. Just a couple that I'm going to give you now. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 46. Peter was at uh, Caesarea uh, in the house of a, of a Roman soldier called Cornelius. And we read in Acts, te Acts 10, 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So a sign to these Jewish people who hadn't quite understood that God loves everybody, but they soon came to that conclusion at that time, they hadn't got it, but they, 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 they knew that God was at work amongst these Gentiles because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Acts chapter 19, Paul, who wrote the book of, of, of uh, Corinthians that we're reading tonight, he uh, left Corinth and went on to another city called Ephesus. And there we, we read that he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we'd not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So once again, people are baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, one of the signs is that they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. 
So speaking in tongues is a normal expression of the Christian life. Now, we can't draw from Scripture that people must speak in tongues as a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some, some Christians have, have taken that line, but I don't think we can really find that in, in the Scripture here. It's not a, there isn't a, 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 a link whereby every, every single person who's filled with the Spirit is also given the gift of tongues in that moment. But I think we, we can actually draw a couple of things, because what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, he said, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. So I think we can draw two, two, two conclusions from that. Not every follower of Jesus does speak in tongues, but every follower of Jesus may receive this gift. Because Paul wants everyone to receive it. It's the word of God. It's here. There's no good actually wanting things to happen if they're not actually possible. This is, this is God's word to us, isn't it? Therefore, we, we all may receive that gift of tongues. It's there, I believe, for the asking. Now, just for completeness, there may be some people here tonight who actually believe that all of these spiritual gifts have kind of passed away that uh, it was fine for, for those people in Acts to be uh, speaking in tongues when they were baptized, but actually those kind of things are, have, have passed away with, with, the, with, the, with the first apostles. In 1 Corinthians 13, some people draw a conclusion from these verses. In verses 8 to 10, it says, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. And so, as I say, some people believe that actually what they're saying here, that completeness has come, and what is in part, i.e. the gifts, have passed away. I don't believe that completeness has come. I believe that completeness comes when Jesus returns again, when he comes to bring his kingdom in, in, in all its fullness, and then things are complete. And so until that day, which may be later on this evening, these gifts are still available for us to ask God for because God wants to gift and equip his church. We could talk more about that offline if you've got some, some issues with that. But uh, basically, completeness is when Jesus returns. The gifts are still available for us all. Okay, so the gift of tongues is a normal expression of the Christian life, number one. Secondly, it's a unique gift that builds up the user. If you look there in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, Paul says, those who speak in a tongue edify themselves. There are many gifts of, uh, sorry, many lists of, of gifts throughout the New Testament. But I think of all the gifts that we find, in those lists, this, this is the only one that we're told is a gift that edifies the person using the gift. The other gifts tend to be for, for building up the church, for strengthening other people. And of course, it's good that we strengthen other people and we build up the church, but God also wants us to be built up as well. And no doubt, you want to be built up in your faith. You want to grow closer and closer to, to Jesus and become more like him. Well, that's one of the ways that God wants to do that is by giving you this gift of tongues that you may edify yourself. You may be, you may be edified as, you, as the Holy Spirit 
works through you and making you more like Christ. We said last week that we are fundamentally spiritual beings and that we find wholeness through a spiritual relationship with God. And this gift of tongues helps us in this by exercising our spirits. If we look at verses 14 and 15, Paul says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So we have in there that actually Paul is, is allowing, allowing his spirit to pray, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to pray through his own spirit and to, and to build himself up that way. Some years ago, we were, we were living in Hong Kong, Hillary and I, and working with a lady called Jackie Pullinger. Jackie Pullinger is uh, uh, um, fa- fairly famous with, with older Christians in this country anyway. Um, I know some younger people are not familiar with her, although she's still alive um, and still in Hong Kong and still doing an amazing work. She tells in her, in, in her a book um, called Chasing the Dragon about when she was prayed for to, to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit because she was working in a place called the Walled City. It was a, it was a, it was a real massive slum in Hong Kong, and she was going out and telling, telling triad gang members, heroin addicts, that Jesus loved them. And they just, you know, just kind of turned away and laughed at her, really. Um, and, and then she says that she was, she was prayed for to be filled with the Spirit, um, and she believes that the Holy Spirit came, although nothing, nothing, nothing tangible happened to her, she says. Um, but, then, but then she was um, um, prayed for to receive the gift of tongues. And she started to pray in tongues um, and prayed for about 15 minutes, I believe, at that time. And the next day when she went out on the street and said to these addicts that Jesus loves you, they listened. And they started to believe and they were interested to find out more about what was going on. And it's a long story. We won't go through it all this evening, but you can read it in the book, Chasing the Dragon. Anthony, a guy called Mackey, you may know him as Anthony or Mackie, um, who's been here for a number of years. He, he's, he, he's probably, um, even now, um, it's about, about half past four in the morning, I think, probably in Hong Kong at the moment. He's, he's quite likely to be praying with, with, a, with a, a heroin addict who's coming off drugs at the moment. So he's, he's probably on a night shift. And what he'll be doing is praying in tongues over that addict. That's a way to build that addict up. But actually, when that, when that addict, if he wakes up in the night, which often happens, and has pains from his withdrawal, because there's no medication for withdrawal, if he has pains, then Anthony will be encouraging him to pray in tongues. And for the last 30-odd years, we've had thousands of heroin addicts who've been through this, this particular um, uh, discipleship program, and those, those that are willing to pray in tongues when they, when they get pains, they say that the pain goes away and, and that they come off their heroin addiction with very, very little pain, if any pain at all. The ones that struggle a bit are the ones who say, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not praying in that, in, in that tongue. That's crazy. I'm not doing it. And those guys and those girls are the ones who struggle. So it's a, it's a wonderful picture of actually uh, how this gift has built Jackie up as an individual, but also builds up addicts and in a real situation going through real pain as well. And so it's good, good that, we, that, 
that we use this gift and that we use it regularly that we find ourselves being built up. So it's a unique gift that builds up the user. Thirdly, it's got a variety of expressions. First of all, it's a personal prayer language, and that's what we were just talking about there, really. And we can use it when we're alone. Um, Again, what happens in Hong Kong is that uh, Jackie will encourage Anthony and everyone else to pray in tongues for 15 minutes every day. Now, that's, that's probably quite a big ask. I don't know how, how long your, your time with God is in the morning or the evening. It may not be 15 minutes in total. For most of them, they have an hour. Um, but they, they basically spend 15 minutes of that hour just praying in tongues. And it's a good thing to do, just to, to actually find we're, we're being built up. But if, if you find yourself walking down the street and, and God puts something on your heart like Syria and you don't know how to pray for Syria, well, you can pray in tongues for Syria because actually the Holy Spirit knows pretty well actually how to how to pray about Syria yeah so we can use this gift in all sorts of situations we haven't always got to use our minds we can allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us and to converse with 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 the Father through Jesus on our behalf and we can use it as well when we're praying for other people if you are praying for for a friend you haven't got to use use the gift out loud particularly in that situation but you can just pray in tongues quietly in your mind quietly inside of you. And it can help to really, really tune us in to the, to the heart of God. I'm not sure if, if you're involved in prayer ministry at all or, or, or we're praying for other people, but actually, you know, sometimes it can, be, it can be quite tricky to hear what God is wanting to say if we're wanting to do the works of Jesus there. And if we pray in tongues just quietly, it can help to really tune us in. It's a bit like a, like a, a tuner on a radio sometimes just to get the right frequency so that we can really hear what God is wanting to say to help that other person there. And we can use this gift in a, in a public setting as well. Sometimes in, in, a, in a meeting, in a, in a, perhaps in a, in a meeting in a house group um, where it's, where it's all, all, uh, all believers together in that kind of situation. If you have the habit of praying out loud together, interceding for something, then you can pray out loud in tongues together as well. And again, it's a very powerful way of sensing God's heart for a situation. And, and God does some amazing things through those intercessions. Paul also mentions singing in the Spirit as well. So in a, in a time of worship, sometimes you'll, you'll find that the worship leaders will, will bring a song to a, uh, to a point where then, then the congregation will then suddenly start singing in the Spirit as the Holy Spirit kind of, kind of, kind of takes over in that moment, and instead of singing the words that come up on the, on the song pro behind us, we're singing in different words, the words that the Spirit gives. So we really are engaging in worship with God, spiritual worship with God, using our spirits rather than just using our minds. It's a gift that God gives for the common good, says Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 11. And so we can use it in a meeting like this as well. God God actually wants to share his heart with us. And in a moment, we're going to have time to give space to God to do that. And it's important to give God space to do that because he doesn't, he doesn't like to force himself upon us. And so the, the, the gift of tongues can be like sharing a prophecy. You know, we had prophecies last week, if you were here, and you may have heard prophecies before. When, when people sense what God is saying into a meeting and they, and they share what they've got. They share what they've got in English normally in this context here. But often it can be a word 
uh, a word in tongues that is given first of all. And, and then you'll find that people in the congregation will have the interpretation of that. And it's, it's important, of course, that actually in that situation that this gift is interpreted. Because if, if, you, if you get um, uh, Paul's gist in, in 1 Corinthians 14, what he's concerned about is, not, is uh, churches either abusing spiritual gifts or churches not actually choosing to use them, thinking actually they're too much trouble. I really can't be bothered with, with the chaos that may become into the church if we get into spiritual gifts. Paul is wanting to say, whoa, no, that, that isn't the way to go at all. Actually, it's possible and it's fitting and it's absolutely right to use spiritual gifts in church, but we need to have a bit of order with that because God is a God of order and not a God of chaos. And so if there is a tongue that is shared in the meeting, then it's important to wait, to wait until interpretation is given. And it may be given by the person who gives the tongue. It may be given by somebody else. It may be given by a couple of other people. Who knows? God will work in all sorts of different ways. And that's absolutely fine that we allow him to do that. But God wants order in our meetings so that, as Paul says in, in verse 25, that if there are unbelievers here, they don't, they don't walk out the door thinking, these are a bunch of crazy weirdos. I don't know what's going on in this place. We want them to fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. That's what happened with this, with this guy um, we, we baptized today. He came to a sense that God is really amongst these Christians. I'm sure that you want your friends to, to come to that place where they're aware that God really is amongst us. So let's, uh, let's allow, allow God to give the gift of tongues, but to use it, use it wisely, use it according to his, his teaching here in the word. Perhaps some people have a, have a bit of a concern that it's, it's, it's a, bit of a, uh, a bit of a silly gift, if I can say that in church. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? Why would God want to give us a, a gift like this where, where we have to stand, kind of stand up and speak in a language that we don't understand and that no one else will probably understand? What is, what is God doing in that? I think it's actually a really powerful gift because it, it, it actually forces us to take note. It forces us to realize, oh, oh yeah, I'd forgotten. God's here, isn't he? <laughs> Sometimes we can forget that God's, God's with us as we, as we come together in a meeting. But God is here, and he, he will sometimes give a tongue in a meeting like this or in, in your small group just, just to get our attention, to make us sensitive to the Spirit so we can be praying for an interpretation. We can be praying for prophecies and words of knowledge and other spiritual gifts as well. It's a bit of a risky gift because we've got to let the Holy Spirit speak. We can't speak through our minds in that situation but it's a good gift. And I think I may have, may have mentioned it last week, but I mentioned it again that, as Hebrews says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And maybe sometimes I come to church and I don't have a huge amount of faith. If you ask me do, if I believe in Jesus, of course I'll say yes, but actually have I got the faith to step out and use the gifts that God wants to give? Sometimes I'm a bit scared, to be honest. It can be a scary thing to do that. But God says you need to have faith. You need to step out. And actually, it's a safe place to step out. We haven't got any stones or any big rocks here to throw at you if you get it wrong. You know, it's a safe place. God loves us. God wants to teach us. God wants, wants to grow us 
and develop us in spiritual gifts so that we can be fully equipped to be the people that he wants us to be and fully equipped to go out into this world and to serve him. So to say, in a, a, a bit later on, we'll have an opportunity to, uh, to actually pray, pray with you uh, for, for receiving this gift. But before we do so, I just need to underline that, of course, Paul says that we're to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So if you haven't got the, the gift of tongues tonight, are you eagerly desiring that gift? Paul says about eagerly desiring the gift of prophecy in verse 1. You may throw that back at me, especially the gift of prophecy. Yes, he does say that there. In 30, verse 39, he says, Be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Paul, I believe, is also saying that we should eagerly desire this gift of, of, of speaking in tongues so that we can be built up in ourselves, but also we can use that in ministry in the wider church. So some practicalities. Practicalities of receiving the gift of tongues. We'll have the opportunity to pray, and, and uh, later on, um, towards the end of the service, we'll have, we'll have our prayer team down here. And if, if you haven't yet received the gift, then you'll be welcome to come down and they'll pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they'll, they'll pray for you to, to receive the gift of tongues, if, if that's what you would like to do. But if you prefer to do this somewhere else, if you prefer to, prefer to do it on your own, there's nothing magical about our prayer team. They're wonderful, but they're not magical. They're spiritual, but they're not magical. Um, God will give you this gift wherever he chooses to give it to you. But some things that just perhaps important to say at this, at this time, in case you're a little bit uh, fearful or anxious about this. God will never force himself upon you. In 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 32, he says, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. Now, that isn't prophets with a capital P, like the Old Testament people, but it's basically saying those people who prof- the spirits of the people who prophesy are subject to the control of those people. So whenever we exercise a spiritual gift, we are always in control. We can always choose to share what God has given or to not share what God has given. He won't take over. He isn't going to turn us into like ventriloquist dummies and make us speak. Everything is always within our control. And he loves you so much that he will never force you to do anything that you don't want to do. He may encourage you to do things that you're not comfortable about doing, but that's quite different. He probably will encourage you to do things that you don't feel comfortable about doing, because that's about stepping out in faith. So God won't force himself upon you, first of all. Secondly, we receive in faith. I mentioned Hebrews 11, verse 6, didn't I? How do I know that God has given spiritual gifts here tonight? I know because the Bible tells me He's given spiritual gifts to people here tonight. We can read that in 1 Corinthians 14. And because I choose to believe this, because of faith, because of faith in who God is and in God's word, I know that he's given gifts tonight. How do you know that God will give you gifts tonight? Because he said he will do that, and you can trust him and take him at his word. When it comes to the gift of tongues, um, I I had a very tortuous experience of... uh, of trying to receive this gift. There was a bit, of a, a bit of a block in my own understanding about this gift. I didn't realize I had to speak 
And that may be obvious to, to many people here tonight, but I, I just thought that, that God was going to just pour lots of words into me and they'd just come out of my mouth. Um, actually, that's not what happens because God won't take control in that sense. He won't force himself upon us. But God will give us words. He'll, he'll put them into our spirits. But we have to open our mouths and, and actually give voice in faith to those words that he gives to us. And I think that's, that's crucially important for us especially from a Western background, that we understand that, that we have to open our mouths and actually give voice to what God gives to us. It can also take time to get fluent. You actually may find that if you pray and, or receive prayer to receive this gift, that you, you actually may just get a word, just one word or maybe two words. But if you think back to when you were a little baby, you probably only had one word when you first spoke. and It may have, it may have been mama or, or dada or something like that. But I guess now you can say a few more words than that. Most of us, anyway. And, that, and, and the same is, is true of the gift of tongues. The more we use the gift, the more fluent we will find ourselves becoming. So if you find you've only got a word or two, don't be discouraged and think, oh, this isn't it. Actually, trust God and go with God in that. Keep using it and you'll find he'll give you more. And, of course, to practice, which I've just kind of said there as well. It's good to to aim maybe at 15 minutes a day, if you can manage that. But use it when you, when you go out for a walk somewhere. I wouldn't necessarily use it when you're going out with your mates, but you, you could do it in a, in a quiet place um, away from them. They may get a bit, a, bit, uh, a bit confused about what's going on. Use it in a praise time. Use it when you're listening to worship songs. Just think of all the different times when you can perhaps practice this gift and use it and see how God will build you up. So I hope, hope from, from uh, this uh, brief kind of uh, run, run through Scripture, through, through the experience of Jesus and, and the early church, that you get, you get the sense, actually, this, this stuff is not unusual. It may be unusual to you, but it's not unusual to the church as a whole. It's not unusual to God, certainly, and to the whole of Christian history. Jesus wants us. He wants us to rely on the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be gifted by the Holy Spirit so that we can live out this normal Christian life that he's called us to. And so the question is tonight, <coughs> excuse me, will you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to gift you? Will you allow him to give you gifts here tonight to speak, to speak out and to share for the good and the strengthening, the encouragement of those that are here? Will you allow him to give you gifts in your small group? Will you allow him to give, give you spiritual gifts when you find yourself in a, in a significant conversation with somebody that may lead you to prayer in this coming week? The more we take God at his word, and the more we allow him to lead us, which is our worship actually, the more we'll grow to be like Jesus. And the more we'll see Mutley as a church grow, and the more we'll see Plymouth transformed. And I really believe it starts with us tonight. Will we allow the Holy Spirit to come? Will we allow God to give us this wonderful gift for making us more like him? Amen. So we're going to have a time of worship now. 
And just, just as we did last week, in, in a sense, you could say it's, it's a little, little bit um, 